and prophecy. And just right at the start of this, I want to say that actually prayer and prophecy are two sides of the same coin. We talk to God in prayer and he speaks back to us through the gift of prophecy, through the New Testament gift. So if you want to turn to uh, Romans chapter 8, and we're going to look at verses 14 to 16 and then hop down into verses 26 to 27. And that's page um, 1071 in the Green Bibles. So, starting at verse 14, chapter 8. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slay, so you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and we can add daughtership in there too. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And then Paul continues to uh, speak about the groaning of creation and our groaning within it. And then we hop down into verse 26, and we read, In the same way... The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes with God's people in accordance with the will of God. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are an intimate God. King above all kings, glorious Lord of all lords, but yet you beckon us in. So would you receive these words now? Would you open our hearts afresh to hear all the truth you have for us this evening? And will we go away from this place, having heard from you, go away from this place changed for the glory of your name and this world that you so love. Amen. Amen. So let's begin to, um, to grapple with a kind of vision for prayer and for prophecy. And if we go way, way back before the creation of the world, we know that God was perfectly satisfied within himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But something in the very nature of God was creative and was full of relationship, full of the desire, the longing to create. And so he created the world, he created humankind in his image, he created us. And we open the pages of Genesis 1 and 2, and we see that humankind, Adam and Eve, were in this intimate relationship with God. Adam and Eve just walking, talking with the Lord in the Garden of Eden. A constant, eternal conversation as we might have with each other. And of course, we know that in Genesis chapter 3, boom, the fall comes in. And what happens in Genesis chapter 3 is that before else, there's a disconnection between humankind and God. That eternal conversation is almost shut off through sin. And then there's a disconnection between humankind and each other. Actually, our relationships with each other begin to jar a little. And there is a disconnection between humankind and the creation, the very created order. 
And so, of course, as we were talking about um, before Christmas, God sets out his rescue plan, which began the kind of covenant thread of the Old Testament and was ultimately, ultimately fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ, whose arms were flung wide, wide, wide on the cross so that that connection could come back in, so that eternal conversation between humankind, between each of us sitting here, could again take place. Because the Genesis 2 reality, the created reality is that we were made for divine relationship. We were made for internal, constant conversation with God. We were made for intimacy. A guy called uh, Richard Foster just puts it like this. He says, God, he, the Lord above all lords, the king above all kings, the creator of the world, God almighty, he longs for our presence. He longs for our presence. Because he created us for intimacy. He created us to have relationship with him, to have that eternal conversation. And in church, we long for his presence, don't we? Think how much we long for those moments where it kind of feels like heaven touches earth. Those moments where we feel so close to the Father. Those moments where we're so aware of his presence. But we can't outlong God. And so God longs for our presence even more than we long for his. He is chasing after us. He is constantly calling us home. He is constantly speaking. And he's constantly saying to us, speak to me. Come in with prayer. Listen to my voice. Get to know who I am. Which leads to a little phrase that I love, the dignity of inclusion. The dignity of inclusion. Because what we were created for was to be included in this eternal song, this eternal reality of creation, of history. God beckons us in. And so somehow, without his sovereignty coming into question, because he's absolutely sovereign, he's completely in control. He allows that our prayers affect things. He chooses to work through our prayers, through our heart cry, because he longs for our presence. We're not robots. He's given us free will, and he asks that we get involved, that we spend time in prayer, in petition, that we spend time listening to him. C.H. Spurgeon, who um, was a 19th century kind of Baptist revivalist preacher, put it like this. Whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. Whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. Prayer and prophecy are the rule of the kingdom. They're what we're called into as church, as Christians. And so we ask for ourselves, which is um, petitionary prayer. We petition God and say, hey... God, this is where I'm at. Help me in this. Walk with me in this. We ask for other people. We ask for the world outside this four walls. That's intercessory prayer. We groan. We cry out to the Lord for the sake of the world. And we prophesy. We listen. And then we declare the eternal truths of who God is and what he is saying to the world around us. 
the called, through the dignity of inclusion, through the divine relationship that we were made for, to ask and to listen. And it is the most exciting thing. So if we turn to scripture, you know, scripture bleeds prayer and prophecy. You cannot find a book in the Bible where God doesn't speak or people aren't crying out to God in prayer. Scripture is all about relationship. It's all about our longing for God and God's longing for us at the deepest, deepest level. And New Testament prayer, the reality of what we live in now as a church is always, always, abjectly, utterly, completely spirit-filled. And so we turn to um, Romans 8. And Paul is writing this uh, letter to the Romans, possibly from Ephesus or Corinth, we're not really sure. And he hasn't met these guys in Rome yet. So he's writing his big theological trustee, a great, great statement of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be justified by faith alone, what it means to be caught up in these heavenly realities, what it means to sit before the world that is groaning, that is deeply in need of redemption. And Romans 8 is the kind of central climax. And Paul here is just hammering home the believer's confidence. The believer's confidence in our adoption, that we're sons and daughters, not slaves. And our absolute security in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that dwells in each and every one of us if we call on the name of Jesus. And so verses 14 to 16, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And Paul gets hold of this um, kind of Aramaic word, Abba. And it's a deeply, deeply intimate term. Not to be too cheesy, but it's almost translated as kind of daddy. He's saying that actually we approach God as father, as dad, intimately. He uses it again in Galatians. Luke uses it with the Lord's Prayer. So Luke's Lord's Prayer reads, Abba in heaven, Dad in heaven. Jesus uses it in the Garden of Gethsemane when he cries out to the Father, you know, if you can take this cup from me, please do. But not, your, not my will be done, but yours. He cries, Abba. He says, Dad, help me. This is really hard. And that's what we're invited into in prayer. The heart of prayer is the fact that we were made for divine relationship. And it's so, so, so intimate that we cry, Abba. We cry, Dad. I love, um, this is a PowerPoint, totally failed. Brilliant, wonderful. Um, <laughs> I love um, Charlie Mackesy's artwork, if you ever come across it. And he does all sorts of depictions of um, the prodigal son, indeed the prodigal daughter. And what he's getting at is Abba, Abba, that we approach God as dad, that we approach the embrace of the father. But actually Charlie doesn't call this the prodigal, God, uh, the prodigal son. He calls it the running father, the running father. His pictures, his sculptures about the father running to us, running, 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 and then wrapping us in an embrace and saying, my sons, my daughters, you're not slaves, you're adopted in. You approach me in prayer. I long to have an eternal conversation with you because you are my kids and I love you. 
We don't approach him in some kind of remote, austere way. We sit with him as our dad, our greatest friend, our closest comforter. That's the heart of prayer life. That's the heart of what Paul's getting at. So we've got confidence in our adoption. And then Paul goes even further. And he speaks of our security in the Spirit. If you are a Christian here tonight, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. Scripture is clear. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We are dwelling places of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul presses into that here. Um, If you go back to um, verse 9 in chapter 8, he just says, actually, we're not in flesh. We're in the Spirit. And that's not saying that, you know, we're physically, like, not in our bodies. Obviously, we are. But what Paul is getting at is that something happens in that moment of salvation where we become dwelling places of the Holy Spirit. That something of our personality, our spirit, who we are, joins with the Lord Almighty. And so when we approach God in prayer, when we're embraced by the Father, an even deeper reality is going on. The Holy Spirit is joining with us. We're drawn into the life of God. We're praying the heartbeat of God. So that Paul cries in 8.16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Somehow, We're caught up in the divine life of God. We're part of the eternal song of heaven. It's a huge mystery and it's the most exciting thing. And then Paul moves on to give us further confidence. Verse 21, the creation groans. The creation is subject to decay. It's groaning, it's crying out for the new creation. It's crying out for fulfillment, for all that we uh, we know is to come. When the Lord returns. And then we groan, verse 22. But when we come to the end of ourselves, verse 26, it is the Spirit that groans for us. So in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So when we come to the end of ourselves, I'm sure you've had that before. I certainly have. Well, I'm just, I'm watching the news. I'm seeing a situation in a friend's life or in my life. And I'm just lost for words. I'm like, God, what even? It's the spirit that is groaning with us there. We need not be overwhelmed. God Almighty is with us. And he's praying through and with us. We don't need to be overwhelmed. But deeper than that, we can have utter confidence that we're praying in unison with God. Because the Spirit knows the mind of God because the Spirit is God. God, praying with us, praying for us, with wordless groans, joining with our Spirit, allowing us to wrestle for the sake of the world. And it takes us all back to Genesis 2, what we were made for. We were made for his presence, for the eternal conversation. We were made to be included, to be his hands and feet on this earth. If you want to put it in a hashtag, we were made to pray. So why? Why press into this stuff? Yes, it's about restoration. 
Yes, it's about relationship, but it can't become some kind of like narcissistic navel-gazing where it's all about us. Actually, it's all for the sake of the world. It's all so that we as church might be confident and might turn our gaze, turn our actions outside of these four walls. That's the point of the dignity of inclusion. That's the point of free will. That's the point of our spirit joining with God's spirit. That's the point of us being presence carriers. carriers. It's because our prayers affect things. And so if you read uh, 2 Chronicles um, chapter 7, verse 14, the Lord declares, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Our prayers affect things. Our prayers can be nation-changing. Karl Barth, who is um, a slightly long-dead German theologian that I love, just puts it this way, to clasp our hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. You know, the last time um, this nation corporately clasped its hands in prayer was May 1940. And the Second World War was going on. And it looked like Hitler was going to win. And Churchill said, right, we've got to get the British troops home. It was Dunkirk. And it looked completely impossible. It couldn't be done. It looked like tyranny was going to reign. That Hitler and his terrible regime were going to have their way. And George VI, the king, said, you know what? I'm going to call the nation to a national day of prayer. And our government, our cabinet, they went to Westminster. The monarchy went to Westminster. Churches across the nation were packed. And the nation cried out to God for a miracle. And there was a miracle. And the course of history has changed. Stood far more secure. Our prayers affect things. And so Paul speaks of groaning because actually in prayer, we're hearing the heartbeat of the Father. We're groaning with him. We're seeking his direction. We're saying, you know what, God? Break my heart with the things that break yours. We call heavenly realities to earth. And it happens when his people will humble themselves and will pray. We enact what um, John Wesley called the kind of social holiness. We look at the state of the world around us and we say, that's not okay. That's not okay. And I'm going to drag these things into the heavenlies and say, Lord God, I believe in your power. I believe that you are the God of the breakthrough. Will you break in now? Will you break my heart with the things that break yours? Will you allow me to groan and pray and walk with your spirit? Would you speak to me of heavenly realities? And he always, always shows up. When I was um, up at Theological College a couple of years ago, um, I went to a kind of place in Birmingham to work with a charity called Battelle, and they work with people who really are at a socioeconomic level, probably the last and least and the lost in our country. And I lived for a week in this house with these girls who had been homeless and were drug addicts, and they'd all been utterly delivered through uh, the Ministry of Battelle, rescued from the streets. Most of them had been prostitutes, 
Most of them had kids in care because social services um, had taken them away. Marvelously, as their lives were restored, a few of them were getting their kids back. But the heartbeat of this thing was prayer. My goodness, these guys could worship and pray. I'd end up at this warehouse in Birmingham. I've never been in anything like it. And there's like 200, 300 ex-homeless drug addicts just worshipping the Lord with abandon, crying out to the Lord for the state of the world, and then flooding out onto the streets of Birmingham, just scooping people up. And week by week, tens of people were being restored. Some were coming to faith. Many were being set free. But it was all because it was a social holiness. Their prayer life had caused them to turn their hearts and their minds and their actions outwards. They'd begun to understand what it meant to be in that eternal conversation with the Father. But they didn't just stay there, having a lovely knees up for Jesus. Said, okay, I've got something to run with. I'm going to run out there. That's what it's about. We're called to action. Okay. To scale it, maybe not scale it back. Let's not think of it like that. Two, stand here in 2018 in Parsons Green at St. D's. What does this mean for our church? What it means is that we really, really, really want to say that prayer and prophecy, these two sides of one coin, the eternal conversation with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're going to say that is the most important thing this year. That's going to undergird everything. We're going to press into it. So Tim talked last week about being intentional. And so we want to invite you to be intentional, to commit to prayer, and commit to practicing the prophetic. If you want a little habit, pray every day. Here we are kind of habit and we can do that can't we we can pray every day just a little sidebar before we um taught some practicalities um prophecy huge topic haven't got time to get into it properly this evening um but guys like all of us hear from god every now and again there is someone who is particularly uniquely gifted in the prophetic and I've probably met maybe two or three of those guys in my life. They're wonderful and slightly scary to be around. Um, but all of us prophesy, all of us hear from God. God is speaking to each and every one of us. And so what we ultimately need to do is just spend time in his presence. Get to know him. We're all made differently and he loves that. He created you uniquely. So he's going to speak to you in different ways. For me, I don't get many kind of visions or dreams or pictures or things. He speaks to me through words. He speaks to me through scripture a lot. I've got other friends who, images, that's what he does with them. Spend time with God. Get to know how he speaks to you. Listen to him. And just relax. Be bold. Actually, we're friends here. We're community. So when we're praying with each other, if you sense God might be saying something, just offer it to your mate. You know what, if it's not from God, it'll just be dross and forgotten and stuff. But if it is from God, what a privilege. What a privilege. I remember years ago um, when I just sort of started out in ministry, and I was really battling with being young and being a woman. And I'd kind of done the big theological stuff with the scripture. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm down with this. 
okay with women in leadership, scripturally and theologically, but I still was like, should I be doing this? And I went to this tiny little New Wine Woman's Day thing. I don't even know how I ended up there. Um, and this woman who was leading it, a lovely lady called Anne Coles, who did not know me from Adam at, at that point, and she didn't know what was going on in my heart or my head. And I ended up going forward for prayer, and she just looked at me and she went, you're called to be a leader, and you're called to lead as a woman. And that, that changed everything for me. But that was just a little thought popping into her head. To be bold with this stuff. Um, if you want to read about it a bit more, a great place to start is this book called Everyday Supernatural. Living a spirit-filled life without being weird. Okay? <laughs> it's, right, it's a really good book. It's really basic, but it's brilliant. Um, it's by Mike Pilavachi and Andrew Croft. And I'm sure some of you know who um, they are. Um, they're youth pastors. They, they're ordained. They lead um, Soul Survivor Ministries. Um, but they're also deeply, deeply theological. In fact, Andy Cross got like a starred first in theology from Cambridge, so he knows what it's under. But it's got great chapters on prophecy in it. Um, get a hold of a copy. You can borrow mine if you want to. Um, yeah. So let's relax. Let's give it a go. And just three major points on prophecy. Always points to Jesus. It's always scriptural. Holy Spirit doesn't do anything extra scriptural. And it's always edifying, uplifting. Okay. So prayer and prophecy for us in the here and now. Firstly, the spectacular ordinary, the everyday. Have your quiet times, spend time with him. But equally, we need to break the idea that it's not prayer and it's not listening to God if it's not specifically when we come to some sort of church activity or we've met with a friend to pray or even when we're having our quiet times. Actually, we're called into this eternal, constant conversation. We're called into his presence every second of every minute, of every hour, of every day. So all of our life should be prayer. All of our life should be listening to him. I love what this guy called uh, Ignatius of Loyola says. And he was a 16th century monk. He started something called the Jesuit movement. And they were pretty cool monks because instead of just sitting being monkish, they actually like went out into the world and did stuff. Um, I love them. Um, and he just says, everything that one turns in the direction of God is prayer. Everything that, wa that one turns in the direction of God is prayer. Our whole life is about that eternal conversation. So it's on Mondays to Fridays. It's our everyday road. It's remembering God in the mundane. Actually, when we're sitting in that boring meeting, turning our thoughts to God and just saying, okay, Lord, would you give me your eyes, your heart for this meeting, for these people? So I challenge you to find an ordinary time and set a little buzzer. Um, Who's got their phone on them? Take your phones out. Let's just take a moment. Um, think about your week. Um, maybe your travel to work on the tube or however you get to work. Maybe your run. And just have a little thought. Where do I want to set a little prayer alarm, a little buzzer, so that when you're jogging along or you're sitting on the tube or you're reading a newspaper, Something just goes off in your pocket or your handbag, and it reminds you to reorientate your gaze, to get back into that eternal conversation. Just do that for a moment.
So it's about reorientating our normal activities, our everyday life, to be consciously God activities, the spectacular ordinary. But equally, it's the actively sacrificial. It's the choosing to carve out time to come to prayer meetings, to meet up in prayer accountability triplets, to actively carve out time to pray, to groan, to seek the heartbeat of God. So we've got a few things that we'd love to highlight um, this year. Firstly, Sundays, petitionary prayer and intercession. Um, Andy, are you here? Come and tell us. I Oh, have you got a microphone? I didn't think this through. Grab that. Wonderful. Um, so, guys, you can come early, early, early to the service and free. Do tell us Absolutely, more. Absolutely, you can. Um, myself, Matt Thomas, and Imogen meet at about just after four every week just to pray and to seed for the service, um, get some words of knowledge, some pictures, some scriptures, um, and we've fed them back to ever speaking. And often it's the case that it's what we're praying about and what we're hearing. Um, whoever's speaking is already going to be talking on that. So that's sort of a nice confirmation. Um, so yeah, really the idea is just to release the heavenlies um, in this place before the service. And yeah, just pray and listen. So do, do come and join us. If you want to find me or Imogen, I don't think Matt's here. Um, we can get your number and come along. Great. Um, and do you meet at the back of church? or where? Yeah, we meet? just meet at the sofas at the back there. Wonderful. Thanks, Andy. That's brilliant. Um, when we're praying in church, intercessions as we call it, um, we're going to do the best we can to make them kind of interactive, to give us some space in the small groups to pray. So get on board, pray. To pray in this place. If during the service you just got a word or a picture, don't feel like uncomfortable or anything. You know, just come and tell me or Tim or Laura or whoever's leading the service. We'd love to hear from you. We want to practice the prophetic on a Sunday. Prayer ministry. What a flipping privilege to get to pray with each other. And so can I encourage us to get on board with prayer ministry. It's been wonderful to see how that's grown in the past kind of few weeks, few months. And coming up for prayer ministry or praying for someone, it's not like saying, oh my goodness, I'm the worst person ever, or this terrible thing's happened, etc. Although sometimes in life there are these hard things that we, we do need prayer for, not, not to be in some ways. Um, but the world out there is, it's not that easy to be a Christian. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. None of us doesn't need an infilling of the Spirit on a Sunday night so that we can do our Monday morning. So just come forward. What a privilege. Take the opportunity. Stand before the Lord. Say, give me all I need so I can run this race well for you. So that's Sundays. And then midweek events, things that are going on. Um, early morning prayer meetings. We have an early morning prayer meeting. 7 a.m. on a Tuesday. I'm trying to get better at attending. It's my job after all. So, um, Imo, do you want to come and tell us about the early... I'm going to have to go now. I just told everybody I'll go. Uh, no, it is wonderful. It really is wonderful. Do you want to tell us about it, Hub? Yeah. Um, we meet at 7 a.m. at the back on the sofas. And I started coming to these almost four years ago and kind of kept meaning to go, heard about it, kept putting it off because 7am felt really early and finally started going about mm. six months in and honestly loved it and still do and it's such a great way to start the day, I think. Um, 
I'm not hugely good about setting aside time to wake up that early at home and and if anything it's just a great way to really do that and I think being a part of a church as well I think I felt if I was serious about being a part of St. Dee's I really wanted to support the church in prayer and taking that time although you might pray for the church or on Sundays you pray for the church Mm. actually taking that time in the week to come together there aren't very many of us um, that actually get there in the morning and I know that we all have different commitments um, but it would be really mm. great, you know, we love it coming together and actually having that time to really intentionally pray for the needs of the church and the things that are going on in the church. Um, and those things are growing and those ministries are growing. So, um, yeah, we'd love to encourage you to think about whether actually that is something that you could consider starting, um, coming to join in. And it might be a bit uncomfortable or um, feel a little bit tiring at the beginning, but you never leave feeling tired. Um, I also can't say for the whole, it's 7 till 8, but I leave at 7.30. There's no pressure if you know you needed to leave earlier or anything like that, but it's great. Wonderful, thank you. Yeah, and it's a great point in the week because the recovery course has happened the night before. We pray through and the prayer requests from that and um, Alpha and other things are often going on in the uh, sort of days to follow, so we get to pray for that too. Um, we've already said a little bit about this, but we've got presents on February the 6th, which is only a couple of weeks away. Come, please come. Let's fill this place with prayer and worship, and prophecy, and hear from him for the year ahead. We've got um, prayer ministry training on February the 18th at three o'clock, just over in the mission hall. We're gonna have a little bit of a focus on mental health. So if you're a core person here, if you feel kind of plugged in and like, yeah, I'd love to be equipped in the realm of prayer ministry, would you please come and join uh, me and Tim and Sue Gahern over in the mission hall at three o'clock on February 18th. And finally, we're going to lean into the church calendar this year. So we're going to lean into Lent. And if you're not sure what Lent is, um, Lent is the six weeks leading up to Easter. And it's just a time where we as a church contemplate Jesus' journey in the desert. And we look to uh, to springtime to come. So um, Lent starts on February the 14th, Valentine's Day, easy to remember. um, And goes on until the 1st of April, which is um, Easter Sunday. And so we want to encourage you to maybe fast something, maybe Facebook. And in the time that that allows to take up something, something kind of keenly prayerful, possibly journaling if that works for some of us, if you're kind of words person. Maybe you want to just start journaling what you're hearing from the Lord, what's going on in your life. Fast something and take up something. And um, we're also going to get some Lent resources in. So um, the Church of England done a great one called Live Lent 2018. It's just a small booklet. So we'll get a stack of those at the back and you can get hold of those. Or Tim Keller um, has got a great old website called The Lent Project. And there's tons of resources on that. So we'll email out the link to that. Maybe you want to look at that and use that. But we want to encourage you individually and corporately to lean into Lent allow us to become a really prayerful community. And then equally, um, 10th to 20th of May, that's Ascension leading through to Pentecost. And um, there's going to be a kind of global prayer movement called Thy Kingdom Come. So we're going to get involved in that and we'll tell you more about that. And finally, we want to hear from you. You know, things are bubbling up and there's something you want to do please come and tell us. You're probably doing it already. We'd just love to hear because that'd be so encouraging. Um, So if you want to go on prayer walks somewhere, grab a few people, just start doing that. If you know a few of you um, work in a similar area, grab hold of each other, get praying there. 
If you're uber charismatic and you like Bethel, then you might want to go treasure hunting. Um, it's just walking around, prophesying on things and seeing doors. Quite fun. Um, tell us what you want to do. All ideas are welcome. And in so doing, we'll know the embrace of the Father. We'll be caught up afresh in an eternal conversation with him. And it will be for the sake of this world that he loves and we love. That he's chosen us to be his hands and his feet. And he's saying to each and every one of us, get involved, get involved, get involved. We're going to be intentional. Okay, can I invite you to stand? We're just going to see um, what the Lord wants to do. I've got a few thoughts around what we can pray for. Um, and if anybody has any sort of prophetic prompting or anything, there's also loads of space for that. 